Welcome to Beyond the Boardroom with Ben Bobo, a well-known entrepreneur and trailblazer who has led startup organizations for more than 15 years. Beyond the Boardroom is the only streaming video show in Orange County that interviews thought leaders from all different industries and cultures about life lessons they wish they'd learned earlier in life, covering topics that weave together the fabric of life and career, bringing you recipes for success, shared pearls of wisdom, and key life lessons for business and personal growth. Now here is your host, Ben Bobo. I'm talking to you from California with a very special guest, Dr. Moshin Shaw. He's a leading neurologist, neurosurgeon, neurointensivist here in California. Mo, welcome. Well, it's a pleasure to be here and thank you for having me. Absolutely. You know, it's easy when you look at doctors and what you've accomplished in life to say, you know, you got the smart gene. It just sort of happens. It's natural. But we all know in our own personal experience, it's never that simple, right? Oh, absolutely. You can set it uh, better. Um, Everyone goes through their own um, struggles through life. Mine, I'm blessed to have health, everything else, but the career has been the biggest challenge for me personally. And uh, it, it was a, quite a struggle to get where I've been, and it's still a struggle going forward. Well, that's interesting. What, what personal struggles did you face, and how did you overcome them? What specific struggle or struggles that really stand out in your mind? You know, I've been thinking about that and reflecting on that quite a bit. And um, I think uh, generally when I was uh, young and I was in a gifted program and I was, everybody considered me smart, uh, but I was always under the shadow of uh, other kids and there was always a competitive spirit. And uh, a lot of those other kids would have other resources. And, you know, we weren't very uh, wealthy and, we, you know, we weren't very poor, but we weren't very wealthy either. Uh, but at the same time, we saw the people that uh, did have a lot of resources, you know, they would uh, go on to different camps and, you know, have uh, tutors and have, you know, uh, go to different uh, parts of the world and travel a lot. Um, and growing up, uh, we didn't have those same resources, uh, but, uh, you know, my parents did try to give me everything that they could within reasonable means. Um, but at the same time, I also felt uh, the need that because I didn't have access to those resources uh, that I have to make it up with just a lot of hard work and grit. Was it obvious or did you stumble upon the answers or the, the recipes for success to make it to the next level? You know, this has always been a learning phase and we all stumble through our own uh, challenges and come across um, answers that may not be very readily available. Um, but I, I have found out the one tr thing that you need to do is just, you know, just keep rolling, just keep at it, just keep struggling through it. Um, and in sort of a tenacious mindset. Absolutely. You just have to be persistent and uh, you never know. There's n no guarantee that, you know, a certain result will come with your efforts and your work. But at the same time, uh, at some point, uh, opportunities do arise. Those little doors that open even marginally uh, will come up and you just have to be very awake and aware and alert about those opportunities. Just run with them. Right. So as I mentioned at the top of the, uh, the broadcast, I mentioned that you're uh, basically uh, board certified in four different disciplines. Neurosurgeon, uh, neuroradiologist, uh, neurointensivist, neurologist. And that's a lot of schooling, right? So as I think about your journey, how did it all get started? Walk us through that, that pathway that got to you where you're at today. 
You know, it's very funny. Uh, I never even set out to be a physician. I come from a family of physicians. My father himself is an engineer, but his uh, brothers were physicians. And even on my mom's side, we have a number of physicians. And there's a certain expectations that a lot of the kids would uh, also pursue medicine. Um, I, for one, was really not into medicine at all. I was always a engineering type myself. I'd love planes, mechanical things. Uh, when I was a kid uh, growing up, uh, I would spend hours drawing cars and planes. Um, that was just my passion. And for the whole point, I was planning to be an aerospace engineer of some sort. Um, and my father did encourage that. And it's interesting that uh, when the time came in undergraduate studies to um, get into a program, um, I specifically remembered um, in uh, the early 90s when the Soviet empire basically was decimated, um, a lot of the jobs in the aerospace industry um, and in Went by the world, wayside as well. Went by right. the wayside. And my father actually uh, asked me very seriously, he says, do you really, I know you love this, uh, uh, you have a passion for this, but just be careful about uh, the job opportunities. It may be very, very limited. And so I said, well, you know, we'll tread along. And, uh, you know, I ended up actually doing a business major and a biology major uh, because business was also another part of uh, me that uh, I, I truly wanted to uh, uh, pursue as well. So medicine really wasn't on that uh, forefront, but it's very interesting how one moment can really change things. My moment was when I was actually at a career festival and uh, we had uh, uh, representatives from different fields, uh, you know, in the, in the law field and medicine, and their reps would be up there from different schools and you know, students would uh, go up to them and ask and inquire about the, those careers. So I just happened to uh, go in front of the medicine stall and uh, I asked the representative about the medicine and very interestingly, he just looked at me in a very um, uh, uh, kind of a, a downwardly way about saying, um, well, this is a very tough field and it's very difficult to get into. And what got into my mind is, why is he talking to me in such a patronizing way? <laughs> He's a motivational speaker. Exactly. Right. And uh, that, to me, just ignited something about somebody who just looked at me and doubted for some reason about my abilities to uh, go and become a physician. So let me ask you this. Was that a trigger? There must have been other points in your life where people doubted you. Because as I've gotten to know your history, any challenge that's sort of thrown your way, you seem to rise to the occasion and get actually motivated by it. So that's it's, an interesting sort of trigger, if you will, that someone says you really can't do it, and then you take on this gargantuan challenge of becoming a medical doctor. It is true. For some reason, and that may be my own personality uh, trait, is I will strive uh, much harder and come at you much uh, tougher if I think that uh, you know you uh, either slighted me or doubted me or it's one of those things. Uh, right. You know, my uh, my father himself is a very ambitious person, but you know he doesn't have that kind of uh, uh, ego. And my mother is the most gentlest soul. Um, but, but in context, if I could stop you, I've dealt with a lot of surgeons. I've yet to meet one that's board certified in four different disciplines. So there's something that drives you at the core, no question. So as you sort of went to this medical booth and this guy challenged your ability to even maybe pursue medicine, 
what was your next steps? Well, that's what I did is uh, I said, well, now I'm gonna choose a career. And I said, I still love business. So I wanted to get into the one of the top five business schools um, and also take my MCATs and see whether I can go into medical school. So I kept my options open. I never kind of said, well, this is exactly what I'm gonna do and period. So I guess that's part of the pragmatic side of me as well. Uh, although I'm ambitious, I'm also a little pragmatic knowing you know, if there are limitations to that, I'm not going to pursue it to the extent where it may affect, uh, you know, uh, me long term. But nevertheless, I applied to the top five business schools and I didn't get into any of them. But I happened to get into medical school. <laughs> There's so, a sign, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I took that opportunity and I just ran with it. And what's interesting enough is uh, I really, for almost the last moment, didn't know what specialty pr pursue. I didn't really think I would uh, pursue surgery just because it's such a tough life. Well, you know, that's an interesting point. How, how does any doctor decide what specialty they're going to pursue? I mean, there's cardiac surgeons, neurosurgeons, um, there's general doctors, there's primary care physicians. How does anyone going into medicine decide what is that pathway? You know, it's a good question and it's a little different for everyone. For example, most people would go into medicine with the uh, uh, expectation that they would either be in primary practice or, you know, look at the movies and, you know, uh, you see these ER physicians uh, in action um, right. or, you know, just the, uh, 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 the, uh, uh, the expectation of what a neurosurgeon would do or brain surgeon would do. Um, so, but it's not until you go through those rotations that you kind of find out the uh, actual true life you know, uh, uh, reality of what those kind of careers would entail. And did you ever have a point in your experience as you're going through that process, you said, whoa, you know, this is much more than I thought it was, but you know what, to take the island to get that, you know, that, that board certification, I'm gonna burn the boats and I'm committed. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I never even sorted, uh, sorted out to go towards uh, the neuro neurological fields. I was planning to do either something in cardiac um, or in critical care. I, I certainly did like managing and treating uh, sick people. I mean, sick as in, you know, critically ill, um, you know, comatose patients. But I didn't really realize that from what perspective I would be coming at them. It wasn't until I realized that uh, um, there was actually a stroke intervention that you could do to save people who otherwise would be potentially neurologically devastated, uh, but would have to be done within a very quick time period. Um, that was kind of very exciting to me, and that's why I ended up pursuing neurology. But it wasn't until later that I, I, I uh, came across that opportunity right. that I started my neurology residency. What compelled you then to become a neurosurgeon? It's very interesting because when I did my first fellowship in uh, neurology, uh, in stroke, and then in neurocritical care, I went out into the field trying to get a job as a neurointensivist and a stroke neurologist. And there just wasn't, the reality was that there wasn't a, a real way to get paid meaningfully. Um, and I, nobody told us that about in, uh, in during residency or in fellowship. Uh, how do these physicians get paid? But believe it or not, there really wasn't a good way to get paid. Right. And so we had to go about uh, looking at what other means can we do to support our so careers. So let, let, just so we get the audience in context, 
you went and spent a lot of time and energy and money to become a neurologist and just to get out into the real market world to realize it's hard to make a living. Correct. Then you're compelled to go back to school to become a neurosurgeon, which takes a long time as we both know. Absolutely. And that was one of the things is that I recognized early on that a lot of the uh, uh, people that controlled this field were either neurosurgeons or interventional radiologists. Uh, who were doing these procedures. Uh, they were uh, the early people uh, involved um, you know, in, these, uh, 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 in this field. And so a lot of the people that they would train would be either neurosurgeons or uh, radiologists. So I came in early on trying to knock on the door to, from a neurologist perspective and I just got a lot of doors slammed. And you realized who the gatekeeper was and you wanted to be part of that, that sort of exactly. system. Exactly, and that's when then I realized that, you know, this is gonna be a big struggle. Um, you either try to uh, you know, beat them at their game and become a radiologist or neurosurgeon. Right. Um, or uh, you just have to stumble across uh, the uh, people that uh, would allow you to become part of their team member. Yeah, which is far and few in between. So before we go to break, um, you know, I've, I've encountered you in the ICU, Orange County Global Medical Center, and that's a tough environment. That's a very tough environment. It's almost like MASH, where you get people in there from gang violence, from car accidents, from any number of issues. And I've seen you under tremendous pressure where you really have to speak in the lives of family, family members, life and death decisions. And I saw you in that moment. What gave you that training or that perspective to be able to control or maintain or create a situation for the loved ones when you know the outcome's not gonna be good for their loved one, yet you're able to speak into that moment? Uh, walk us through that, that process. You know, one thing is that certain life experiences do lead you to behave in certain ways. And I clearly succinctly remember several family members, um, had a gra especially grandparents and an uncle who um, had some very grievous injuries and uh, one had a, a very massive heart attack. And I would notice how some of the physicians would come in and just nonchalantly come in and interact and then just leave or so. And that kind of affected me personally. It says, well, you know, what would I do? How would I want to be treated or presented uh, in that kind of scenario? Right. And that led me, especially during the training, to say, listen, you want to be as empath empathetic as possible. These are devastated conditions. Uh, they're life-altering conditions, and especially for family who are grappling with how to deal with this, they need that kind of empathy at that moment. And uh, I just said that to myself is that, listen, don't tr or treat others as you would want them to be treated themselves. Right. And especially if they were your own family member. Right. And you always have to kind of put yourself into that mindset. If this were my family, my loved one, how would I want them to be treated? And here's the crazy thing, right? This is what you experience literally on a daily basis. This isn't like a one-off once a week, maybe once a month. You literally have to have a mental toughness to you to be prepared for anything since your trauma. It's not pre-planned. It's not elective surgery. And what I've noticed is you literally have to, on a daily basis, deal with these very uh, trying circumstances, and yet you keep a joy about yourself. You know, the most important thing is I absolutely love what I do. Every day I keep telling everybody I am so blessed that I do what I love. I actually do life-saving work. 
life-enhancing uh, uh, work for me personally because every day I go in there and uh, observe something or uh, trying to figure out how to treat something or see what kind of injuries there are. It's always different. Right. And, it's, and the diversity is so almost cool the spice of life. So as we, as we come back from the break, uh, Dr. Shaw Mo will uh, sort of walk us through who that person is on his board of directors that has had the biggest influence in his life. 35 million people in America suffer from migraine headaches once or twice a month. Historically, migraines have been diagnosed and treated subjectively with a hit and miss rate of success. Serenitex is leading the effort in precision migraine screening that gives you an objective diagnosis and guide to treatment. Do you suffer from tension headaches or chronic migraines? Could you benefit from the right medication for relief and get your life back to health? If so, then come volunteer to be part of this groundbreaking research study on migraine diagnostics. To participate, contact serenitex.com or call 949-538-5600, extension 107. You know, from the last segment we were talking to you about on your board of directors, who is that person that had the most influence in your development? That's a good question. I could probably say there has to be two, not just one. And the reason why is the one person in my personal life has to be my father. And the reason why I can tell you is I've never seen a person in the face of some adversity, any adversity, just be so well controlled. Never loses it. And where you almost look at him and he would be now searching for solutions. And you would see, you know, women crying and, you know, other family members maybe losing it, but him always under control. And you could see that in his eyes where he's looking for, okay, what do we need to do in order to look for a solution? Right. That was one thing that always impressed me. And then on a professional level, I would have to say there's another well-established neurosurgeon. His name is Dr. David Newell. I have to shout out his name, um, who is in uh, the Seattle Neuroscience Institute, and uh, that's where I did my fellowship. This gentleman never lost it in the operating room. Mm. A consummate gentleman, a, an extraordinary surgeon, and while brain aneurysms were blowing in his face and people including staff and the residents around him or the fellows around them would, you could see their heart races, he would be there in absolute control. And that I saw the effect on the rest of the team just makes such a difference. And it you sounds know, like it made a big impact on how you practice. We talked about that at length. You're in some really hairy cases, life and death, young patients, and yet you're maintaining control, perspective, when it doesn't go right. Because, you know, the thing about surgery is, maybe some of you know, is whatever you train for, ultimately you're going to get in a situation that you haven't trained for, and now you're dealing with basically the issue of life and death in the brain. Absolutely. Now, any adversity that comes, I mean, it's only natural that, you know, our human instincts will t try to take you over. But the important thing is to remember is these kind of things will always going to encounter, you're going to encounter them. The important thing is to maintain perspective, maintain some control, and think about what the solutions going ahead are going to be, right. rather than reacting in just an emotional way. And Emotions are part of it. In, in my respect, you know, the emotion is what drives me, the ambition is what drives me, but I have to use the analytical part to make out the game plan, how to go forward, 
and how to accomplish some things or not. Right. So you had two amazing people <clears throat> that influenced you. And this is one of the things that's always bothered me, maybe in corporate America, maybe life, is that, and I've talked to so many people, man, if I would have known this 10 to 15 years ago, where I would have been at in my career is much farther ahead, right? And so I'm going to ask you that question. What are one or two things, recipes for success, had you known 10 or 15 years ago, would have put you in a whole different place from a professional standpoint? One is that whenever you want something, make sure you really do your homework. And a lot of times, and I would have to say, even in my respect, I would react to things. But in essence, you got to take a step back. You got to try to assess the situation, look at the field, look at your players. And I could look back and say, boy, if I had only asked him for help or her for help or got their insights or just had the uh, you know, just had the um, uh, the courage to take that step. Um, I think I would have changed a lot of things. Now I'm I'm absolutely very glad that I am where I am, but I think uh, those alternatives that I could have readily taken at that time by taking that step or having that courage to take the step. Um, you have to. These opportunities are going to come at you, and you just have to know to be bold enough to take those steps when those doors present itself a little bit open and you just have to push through it. So the takeaways are plan and don't be afraid to ask. Absolutely. Go to power and figure out the rest because they've already lived a long life. So let's, let's try to speed up that process. That's very profound. So let me ask you this. Um, tell me something that's true that almost nobody agrees with you on. When there is something that you know to be true and there's going to be a lot of naysayers, don't ever let them block your way. And that doesn't mean go push them over. Right. That means get around it. Get around it. Because that path is there. You know it's there. You know that goal is achievable. Right. And there's going to be a lot of people that naysay. And maybe even in a sincere way, they're criticizing you. But at the same time, Know what that goal is, and don't ever anything, uh, any wall over there prohibit you from looking alternatively. Great, great point. Is there anything else you'd like to tell the audience we haven't covered? Well, again, uh, what I would probably uh, encourage all the viewers, again, is that never think that a certain goal is not achievable. Everything is achievable, absolutely is achievable. But you have to have the right mindset and you have to have the right ambition and you have to have the practicality to know how to get ahead. And by all means, you know, ask everybody around you. There's lots of wisdom around you. Never think that you know it all. Right. There's so much wisdom out there and there are so many people out there that are willing to offer it. Right. Go where, grab it. Where can the audience find out more about you? Well, we have a website, and uh, you know, uh, my practice is under Newport Neurospine Specialists, and I'm primarily a uh, uh, emergency doctor. Uh, but hopefully, you'll never need my right. resources <laughs> at uh, Orange County Global Medical Center, uh, which is a level two trauma center here in Orange County. Uh, but and in addition, uh, we are engaged in this uh, project. That I'm very excited about uh, under Serenitex, and uh, we will have multiple avenues. Uh, for people to explore what we're doing, following us, and following this awesome journey that we're on. Right. You know, you mentioned earlier when you were in, uh, going through the college experience that you really want to go into engineering, right? But then you ended up in medicine. 
But the funny part of his journey is now he's back into engineering and helping build companies with Serenitex. We're developing the world's first non-invasive uh, diagnostic device to detect migraines. So it's kind of funny the confluence of your experience. And the other thought part of it is he started off in neurology, then goes to neurosurgery, which is about six years right. plus to learn that discipline. And it's that discipline with neurology that helped bring the concept together for Serenitech. So it's funny how the tortuous path leads. It, it, is, it is so mind boggling when each step I would say that, listen, I didn't end up doing engineering and I almost missed it. I almost missed going back to that engineering side or I, I missed going back into the business side. But yet this is the opportunity that I could have never fathomed that comes back to say, listen. Some of those, those early experiences. Are, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I am going to thoroughly, thoroughly take advantage of this. Right. Yeah. Mo, thanks for uh, coming on the show. It really enjoyed uh, spending some time with you. My absolute pleasure. Absolutely. So that's it from Beyond the Boardroom. I'm Ben Bobo. You can find out uh, more about today's guest on Facebook, Beyond the Boardroom Show. And of course, until next time, remember this, uh, becoming is better than being. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Beyond the Boardroom. We look forward to bringing you more thought-provoking episodes again real soon and look forward to your feedback and remarks. If you have any particular topic or person you would like to have us cover or interview, please reach out to us at ben at beyondbobo.com. Till next time, may you continue to map your own path to success.